Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything. Today on the show, interviews with dairy artist Roe, who releases debut album That's When the Panic Sets In on Friday, September 23. Waterford's Moncrief, one of the stars of Electric Picnic, who's got a new EP out and has sold out a show at the Olympia at the end of the year. And finally, our weekly new music section at the end of the show is bursting at the seams with no less than four tracks and introductions from all of the artists involved. So let's not wait around, let's get straight into the show. I have irrational fears Of somebody watching from the other room Showing me all the things I shouldn't do Feeding me lies, lies, lies If I had a backbone in my body Then maybe I would listen to the people around me Instead of hoping that I Instead of running out of time I guess I get cold feet I don't trust my own instincts anymore Been scarred by the outcome Of letting too much of myself go Roe is a singer-songwriter from Derry who played Glastonbury in 2017 at age 18. That was when she was, as she says herself, very much starting out and had an electro-pop sound. She was readying a debut album in 2019 before she made a big decision at a supermarket in Reykjavik late one night to dump the album and start all over again. The result of that process is That's When The Panic Sets In, an album of two halves, which is released this Friday, September 23. The first half of the album came out in June, tracks like New Behaviours and Scared of Being Lonely, perhaps hinting of the new direction that Roe was taking. The second half of the album starts with Cold Feet and is about her imposter syndrome, while penultimate track Cut My Teeth, which we'll hear coming out of the interview in about half an hour or thereabouts, Roe says that's about when, quote... I was in a really dark place and felt the need to write to remind myself that it wasn't a permanent state. This song is about how incredible it is that we get to be alive. So it's a deep, personal album, but one doused in pop sensibilities and like I allude to in the chat, it'll touch and help a lot of people. The album was recorded at Attica Audio in Donegal by Tommy McLaughlin, who are big fans of here. He's worked with, if you didn't know, Pillow Greens, Alvaretti, Soak, to name just a couple. You can pre-order. That's when the panic sets in at rowmusicofficial.bandcamp.com. And this is Cold Feet. Thank you. 
release the second part of your debut album in mid-September. But like, how do you see it? Do you see it as one whole piece or two separate EPs that speak to each other? What? How do you see it all working? Yeah, so the way that I decided to release it is me being selfish because I wanted as many songs as possible to have their moment. And whenever it came to uh, doing the track order for the album, it kind of very naturally had part one and part two, um, because I think part one is a lot different sonically to part two. So it all worked out really well for me, I think. Um, But I definitely see it as one whole piece because everything just kind of flows together. Did the order of the songs change or anything like that? Were you playing around with them or was it very naturally like, oh, this is how the order flows? Yeah, it's my first time having to really, really think about like these 12 songs and how they're going to fit together. And it was daunting because you really want it to be cohesive and have have everything in the right spot. So uh, it did take a bit of time, but I think I think once I knew where the story was going and realized that part one was a lot different than part two um i think it 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 came together really smoothly yeah do you want to explain how they're different what are they tackling different themes or just um sonically they're different yeah so part one is a lot more bandy and upbeat and part two is a lot more solemn i want to say yeah it's it's i think part two goes into um my head a lot more and it's it's very personal um and it's not to say that part one isn't the same but i think that the themes in part two are a lot scarier for me um to talk about and to put out into the world yeah like i was trying to hear like do they speak to each other uh and i was just listening to the last track on the first half of the album one in a million it ends with the line show me who i am is that kind of what you were setting out to do in the second half of the album which does sound deeper as well yeah like one in the one in a million for me is the weirdest song off the album um it doesn't it doesn't slot in with any of the other any of the other songs i don't think it's just this random um kind of one-off really chill song um so I decided to put it halfway into the album because it, it set up part two very nicely. Yeah. Mm. Um, the, there's an interesting story about the actual album because is it like your second attempt at the debut <laughs> album? Because you, you scrapped the, fir- the first attempt, did you? Yeah. So I was initially supposed to bring out an album a couple of years ago um, or meant to start working on it and it was gonna be a lot of electro pop and um it would have been way more similar to what i was playing back then and doing live um but my inspirations had changed and the way that i had started to write was changing um i i knew that i was listening to uh a lot of different artists like phoebe bridges and lucy dacus and girl in red and my songwriting naturally shifted that way so for me 
putting the album out back then would have just been a collection of songs, whereas I really wanted it to be a story and come together like that and actually have all of the songs written within the same period. So me and my manager had uh, a talk in Iceland. Um, I was just after playing a show there and we ended up in some supermarket getting uh, snacks for the night and just had this really deep conversation in one of the aisles. Um, so we decided that it was going to be best to postpone the album to whenever I felt I was ready to do it. And lockdown for me was kind of a, a, a positive thing. Well, it was one of the positive things to come out of it. It's a negative thing altogether, but um, it gave me time to write and really figure out what I wanted to say and um, how I wanted this album to sound. So, yeah, it it the idea of the album came about a couple of years ago, but it never really came together until until I started thinking about this version of it. Hmm. But so did you have the first album recorded? We had songs recorded and there was the notion of the album. So we probably did have some of the album recorded back then. And there's also songs that I think haven't seen the light of day because I I wanted to to really put myself into into the way that I I had started to write. So yeah, it it would have been a completely different album to the one that people get to hear now mm. how hard is it to say stop or like to say that oh, i don't want to do this anymore like is it is it just like a daunting thing to realize and to actually communicate as well i suppose it is it's scary because not it felt like a natural thing that the album was going to be what i put out next and i was doing really well with how I was performing live but I felt like I was doing that for so long and it was fun but I really I really wanted a shift and I wanted to to explore a different side of the artist that I could be so um my manager Liam he's my best friend as well so the conversation was grand um Mm -hmm it was it was all good but it was definitely a a leap into the unknown because obviously my audience are used to listening to electro pop and a lot of shiny beats and uh melodies and what i was about to put out was the opposite of that um it's a lot more bandy and a lot less synths so it was it was terrifying um but ultimately the right decision i think yeah yeah um did you find it easy kind of making that transition to a different sound did you enjoy it and was was it just like you said just a reflection of what you were kind of listening to yeah i loved it i loved every second of it um because for the album we went to attic recording studios in donegal and worked with tommy mclaughlin and tommy has produced some of my favorite albums um He's worked with Villagers and Silk and Pillow Queens. And um, I was super, super excited to actually be in a proper recording space because 
up until that point, me and Liam were recording from my house and from his house. So it's way different taking yourself out of your home and having a, a space to go and write and record and um, kind of get a feel for it there. So it was, it was the best experience and it was just because I had my writing had changed and it landed itself to more indie and more indie pop that kind of style I think. Uh, Tommy's name comes up uh, so much with the people that I talk to it seems like uh, <laughs> people just love working with him and it, it sounds like you did too like what what's the working relationship is he kind of sit back and listen and take it all in and offer you feedback or is it more of uh, almost like a co-working relationship? It is it's uh it's definitely a collaborative thing um which i love um because it's really fun getting to work with other people and figure out what way these songs are going to sound yeah i i have nothing but great words to say about tommy because he is he's just an incredible producer and a lovely guy to spend hours and hours in the studio with you know yeah Uh, did he produce the whole album yeah yeah, whole album. Um, and Liam, Liam is my producer. He's produced everything up until the album as well. So he was there. Um, so it was the three of us for months on end. Um, working out this album. So it was it was really fun. Wow. So nobody else involved in the album making process, no? Well, we had musicians in, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, but as as far as the production goes, it was um, me, Liam and Tommy. Um, but we had so many incredible musicians in to record it as well. Um, a lot of musicians that I'd worked with before. So my live drummer, Jay, came in and did drums for nearly all of the tracks. And we had Dominic in doing keys. I've worked with him before. And then we had... Laura in Dioncello and her string quartet so and we had trumpets in um so it was just it was it was the wildest experience because I I love seeing how the tracks come together and getting to sit back and watch other people play as well so yeah it was it was magic yeah the trumpets sound so good on the album they sound like so uh, so triumphant yeah <laughs> uh and I guess it also sounds big. That was like one of my takeaways, like listening to the album uh, yesterday in full. It was like, oh, this sounds like a very big sound. Was that one of the things you wanted as well? Was it just like a natural uh, kind of result of working with a band that it would sound a lot bigger than maybe some of the previous stuff you've put out? Yeah, there's definitely a lot of fanfare in in the, the album. Um, a lot of horns and strings. And uh, I think... I think that just came from how the songs sounded um, and what they lent themselves to. So Liam, I think, had a lot of pre-production done for some of the songs. So the horns, the horns kind of came from that. I I have a soft spot for strings and <laughs> and horns, so it. Um, it was so cool getting to have them on the album as well you know um yeah it was it was great and so 
like what do you, do you have a preference for what kind of sound you go for like that big band sound or that other side of the album which is kind of like the more uh what, what you mentioned earlier kind of maybe the quieter side of things it just depends on the song um i try not to put pressure on myself when it comes to writing um so everything on the album is just how i was feeling at the time um which is why there's um highs and lows in it because because of how i was feeling and you can tell because of the pace of the song and the instrumentation just comes from how the lyrics feel and uh the way that i wanted to portray these songs so i i didn't write these songs with the intention of 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 the album i don't think i knew i wanted all the songs to be cohesive and you know written in the same time so uh it it really just came together really nicely and i'm i i honestly can't believe that i just have an album that's coming out because it was the loveliest process it does still seem like the album is the main goal for so many artists isn't it like it has it hasn't gone away like even with streaming like even with putting out singles every now and again it does seem like you're always kind of still working towards an album doesn't it yeah i don't think the album will ever go away um because it's a massive part of of being an artist is working towards your first album and your second album and um it's another way of of getting a story across and another way of being creative because oftentimes I don't think you can say everything you want to say with an EP or releasing a single, you know? Um, so it is, it's just a progression and I personally love collecting vinyl. So um, I really hope that the album doesn't go away. <laughs> <laughs> it's an expensive habit to get into though, collecting vinyl. I know, yeah. <laughs> We might talk about uh, some of the tracks. Um, your last single, Cut Your Teeth, uh, you say that it was written when you were in a really dark place and felt the need to write to remind yourself that it wasn't a permanent state. So do you find that kind of writing almost cathartic, kind of writing yourself out of maybe feeling in that state of mind? Yeah, it's it's definitely a form of therapy for me. Um, it always has been. I have always written from a place of honesty and I I tend to be very personal in, in the lyrics that I write. Um, and it's not something that I would change because, because I, I feel like it's necessary sometimes to put these songs out in the world and cut my teeth was one of these songs that I was so, so scared of putting out because it is just, it's it's whatever was in my head at, at that time of writing and um it's very blunt and uh you're always scared of how people are going to react to it but i i put it out because i think that topics like this one um you know being anxious and depressed and not really knowing where to go from there are very important things to talk about and I think music is such a powerful way of conveying the message that you're not alone and, and you know, that there's other people that feel the same way and are going through the same thing. So 
that's always been a running theme through throughout anything that I've written. Um, so yeah, cut my teeth was a difficult one to put out, but um, I still I get like. I don't know. I get butterflies whenever I have to play it live. Um, it's it's just a very a very personal song. Mm. I always enjoy mm, enjoy is probably the wrong word. I always uh, am interested in how acts kind of do respond to playing a song like that live, where it's like a really deep meaning. I always wonder, like you know, after they've been playing it for three or ten or twenty years or something, does it still mean the same? And it sounds like it often does. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I, I haven't, I have, I'm only getting back into doing shows again now because we spent um, the past year and a half working on this album. So these songs are all still very new for me playing in front of people. I think with my older songs, they come around again. Uh, I think whenever you start playing them, you really feel the message and then whenever you play like a really long run of shows you kind of forget that for a while but i i've had it recently with uh one of my older songs room to breathe where i really really enjoy playing it again and i i actually listen to the lyrics again so it's it definitely comes in waves i think for me personally anyway it's really interesting playing old songs as well because you see the progression between who you were then and who you are now. So, yeah. So you haven't like written off those early songs as in like, I never want to hear them again. You know, <laughs> they're like old news. I'm all about this sound now. So they're still kind of like speaking to you as an artist. Yeah. Yeah. I think because, because the way that I was playing live back then, the songs that I used to play probably won't be played as often, but whenever I was initially releasing these songs and said about how my sound had changed, it doesn't mean that my sound won't change again. And I kind of, I like thinking about that way with old songs as well, that if I feel like playing old songs, I'm going to play old songs. You know, I don't think anything, anything will ever be written off. Yeah. Mm. Another track, Cold Feet, I think that was another one of the singles, uh, is about, you say, your imposter syndrome i don't know if you want to talk about uh that is that something that kind of developed is it always there kind of at the back of your mind it seems seems like so many artists kind of experience one form or another of it as well yeah definitely a surprising amount of people um have this and especially within the music industry because there are so many highs and lows and i think especially because whenever i started playing music my first festival was Glastonbury, so you were kind of launched into this massive, massive thing. And the aftermath of that is something that you never expect. And then after a while, that dies down and you have to build yourself back up again. So it's it's something that I really struggle with. And the song is just about that struggle because it's it's the weirdest thing feeling like you're you're not supposed to be there or it's sometimes out of body um whenever I get up on stage and I feel like I'm not really present and I I'm really working on that um and I think with this change of sound 
that's really helped me because I have I found a, a new a new love for what I do and I think that's something that's come with with changing the sound as well is that I love what I did before but I needed I needed something new and I am so excited to actually get back playing live shows again now um, and just show everybody what I've been working on and and the band as well so it's yeah it's a constant struggle and it's crazy how many how many people how many people have said the same thing and and go through the same thing so you've kind of seen the ugly side of the music industry it sounds like kind of the like did you see the the hype maybe in the early days and the kind of people you know trying to build you up or something like that and then drag you down sort of thing I think everybody goes through it. It's more of of an internal thing, um, I think, because especially with social media, I think you're always trying to put your best foot forward and make sure that people think that you're you're doing something all of the time. But you know yourself that it's impossible to do everything all of the time. So there are going to be quiet times and and. Uh, and louder times whenever you're you're off on the road all the time um but i've said time too many times now it sounds <laughs> weird <in> my... <laughs> um yeah it's it's definitely a mental struggle because it's something that comes with with the the music industry is just knowing that you're not gonna be you're not gonna be on top all the time um and you're not gonna be exciting all of the time and it's accepting that and knowing that it is it's just it's going to come in waves and and in the lower parts you just keep on doing what you do for the love of doing it but as i say it's 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 reminding yourself of that is the hard part yeah do you get nervous putting out songs like these like are are you feeling kind of nervous about putting out the whole album and maybe the response to it or are you or do you know that like it will connect with a lot of people as well and it'll you know um it'll be good for them to hear it i get nervous all the time for every single song that i put out so these ones especially because they are they are very close to me but i'm very very excited for people to hear the album as a whole because it it's it's we've been leading up to it for so long now and now it's only however long away and then eventually the album is just going to be out in the world and that's insane that i'll just have a debut album and people can go and listen to it and that just be out in the world so yeah i i think i'm more excited than nervous at this point Great, great. And uh, have you got gigs coming up? I know you're playing um, Ireland Music Week in Dublin in a month or thereabouts. Yeah, yeah. I'm playing Ireland Music Week and I'm over in London for an acoustic show on September 28th. Uh, I'm supporting the Amazons in Belfast on October 6th. And then I'm doing an album launch party slash show uh, on October 8th in Bennigan's and Derry. So it's 
it's very busy <laughs> <laughs> great great um well listen congrats on the album i think it sounds great and hope you do enjoy the next couple of weeks leading up to the release date and release date and release week itself thanks thank you so much Cut My Teeth by Roe, off debut album That's When The Panic Sets In, which again, once more, it's released this Friday, September 23. I like her artist description on Bandcamp, I didn't say it in the introduction, it's simply Moody Gal who writes a bop sometimes. Now, I didn't go to Electric Picnic at the start of September, but some things I learned from following it online, as well as talking to Kinsey on last week's episode of The Point of Everything, Electric Picnic was wet. Arctic Monkeys were amazing, and one of the breakout performances of the weekend was Moncrief, a Waterford artist who played the main stage in glorious Sunday sunshine. Less than a week later, he'd sold out a show at the Olympia in December and released a new EP, Warm, featuring the titular track, which has racked up over 5 million plays on Spotify. It's earnest pop music at its finest, and the second track on the EP, Ruin, features one of the choruses of the year too. It's so good. There's another couple of tracks for you to discover on the EP, as well as a cover of Avril Lavigne's I'm With You. Moncrief is a busy man. He's living in Berlin, but I caught him on a day while he was in London, in the gaff and bedroom where he actually wrote the EP, no less. And on a day, he was flying back to Dublin. It was a funny interview. His housemate was making him a sandwich that he was munching on when we started the chat. And he was kind of walking around the gaff and sitting at the piano a little bit too. So there's a little bit of noise throughout this interview. But hopefully it won't take away from what we talk about. It obviously began, I had to, as he was munching on a sandwich, talk about our favourite sandwiches. I didn't get asked mine. Maybe I'll tell you one time in the future. Maybe you can ask me if you see me out what my favourite sandwiches. Let's take a listen to Warm by Moncrief and we'll get into the interview. Oh, I'm so far from perfect. I get so insecure. But you pour holy water over all of my flaws. And I'll always be heartless. 
It's okay. Favorite sandwich. Favorite sandwich ingredients. Favorite sandwich. Let's go. Right. So this one you can get from any deli, any centre, any spar in the deli. Brown bread, obviously. Oh, brown bread to start. Brown bread. So this is a toasted sandwich, and this is this is a toasted sandwich because, like, obviously, toasting a sandwich makes it way better. Brown bread, Ballymaloo relish, cheddar, and then bit of a bit of a curveball, bit of chi- uh, chicken stuffing, bit of the stuffing. Okay, stuffing. Wow. Yeah, just a the aroma in the in the in the in the maze <laughs> in the nasal passage. Uh, and then on top of that then I get the cold chicken if you're feeling adventurous and you want to make it feel like a sort of Sunday roast I would suggest put a bit of bacon or a bit of ham on top but cold chicken's fine and then on top of that you put your mixed peppers a little bit of red onion a little bit of sweet corn make sure they put balmaloo relish on the other side of the bread as well Slap that down, toast it, diagonal cut. Bob's your uncle. That's a bit. That's a big sandwich, though. You know, that's gonna make a mess. You gotta be careful with that. That's uh, a two-hander. I think that's. I think that's insulting to the sandwich deli people in Ireland. They can make. They can. They can pack <laughs> a lot in. Wastage, like, and it's a complete meal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it. It can be brunch. It can be lunch. It can be any time. <laughs> This is actually my dream interview, just talking about, you know, if we could just talk for sa- about sandwiches for 30 minutes, you know, I think I'd be happy with that. Pesto, putting pesto in a sandwich is a game changer as well. But like, it has its time and place. Um, There we go. Get that into you. Um, you're, you're, you're from Waterford, though, and you're not saying a blah. I mean, that's a, it's pretty controversial no. on its own. I know. I think because my parents aren't from Waterford that I was never brought up on a block. Like my parents are from like my mum's from Meath and my dad's from Dublin. And I like they moved down to Waterford. So yeah, I never really got into the whole blah thing. Or like a crisp blah or like a ham or luncheon blah. Like never got into it. Like I I'm glad because I would have made an absolute fucking mess. <laughs> too too flowery. Do you want to talk about music or do you want to keep talking about sandwiches? Oh man, whatever. Like whatever the vibe is going. <laughs> no, music would be good. Music would be good. Okay. Okay. Let's talk about what I presume is one of your career highlights today, the electric picnic. Did it feel like kind of the culmination of a journey? I saw the pictures and some videos online and it just looked uh, amazing. Tell me about how it felt. Yeah. I mean, the electric picnic is something that every Irish artist wants to play and like I was scheduled to play the Electric Arena stage and um, I got a call on Thursday asking if we'd like to move up to the main stage. And um, initially, like, I was a bit very hesitant because I I was worried it might be a bit too soon and, like, I'm, I was worried that, like, oh, no one's going to show up and it's going to be lashing rain and everyone's going to be hung over and just staying in their tents and I'm just I'm just going to be out there on my tub road like but luckily but I took it anyway I decided to take a risk and like luckily like so many people showed up 
yeah, it was, and it turned into something so special. So, yeah, it definitely, it felt like definitely a gig I'm not going to forget for a long time. So you're only getting the call like three days beforehand to move up to the main stage. Does yeah. that kind of change uh, what your performance is going to be? Not particularly. I mean, I just want to try and make the biggest and best performance wherever I go. Like, I think that's the best the best course of action. I mean, like, I was kind of hoping I could, like, climb around on stuff in <laughs> in the electric arena. Like, I had some idea that I'd be able to climb up some pole or something. I don't know. But apart from that, no, nothing changed. <laughs> Didn't get to climb up on anything on the main stage. No. No, yeah, I just, I don't know. I mean, they always see these artists that do crazy shit, and I just want to, you want to make memories for people as well, you know? Mm. Did you get to see much else over the weekend? Were you there for the whole weekend, or were you just there for the day? Just for Sunday. uh, What did I see? I saw a bit of the Coronas. Um, I saw... A little bit. Oh, I saw a good bit of Snow Patrol actually, who I, I love. Yeah. Um, and then I realised I was absolutely starving because I hadn't eaten all day. So we, during the beginning of Arctic Monkeys, we went looking for food, and then it started to rain, and then it started to absolutely lash rain. So yeah, I only got to see literally only really two acts. That's fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, tell me about the Olympia. You sold that out uh, on Friday in a couple of hours. I mean, that must have been amazing. Yeah, like, I did not expect that to happen at all. Like, my mind is still blown. I mean, I felt like there was such a great reaction from Electric Picnic um, that I felt like a good time to announce the Olympia. But I didn't think I'd... N- never thought in a million years that we'd sell it out in the first day so for that to happen is yeah i don't know it's a bucket list sort of venue so yeah it's nice for it to happen in one day yeah does it feel like you've got this momentum that you've kind of been building towards for a while electric picnic new ep and the olympia selling out in a week is it just like oh it's finally happening yeah i do feel like i have momentum but i'm also like I'm also kind of annoyed at myself <laughs> for, like this week because I left Berlin a few, like I'd say nearly a week ago now. And I'm so we're still kind of independent, like basically like I'm still make I'm still like producing my songs and producing like my videos and stuff. And um, I left my laptop in my apartment. <laughs> and so I'm like, I was, we were meant to drop a video this week and I was like, all my stuff is in my laptop <laughs> and I just walked to the airport without it so yes I do feel like we have great momentum but I'm always feeling like you could do a bit better you know and like you can always there's always I think the best way to kind of be grateful for the momentum that you have is to keep pushing forward but just don't forget your laptop <laughs> like, so, so have you just been on your phone like non-stop pretty much for the past week so yeah sick of looking at my phone I'm, like, I'm trying to do emails off it and and uh, borrowing other people's laptops but i'm flying to ireland today and i'm flying back to berlin tomorrow so i can get back to the office and work on that work on that video get that single out there exactly i mean it's such as i'm yeah such a sick video i'm gonna put it out on friday hopefully 
it's just like a live video of like one of the songs from the EP. Um, but yeah. Okay. Um, how long have you been living in Berlin? Tell tell me about the movements from Waterford to to Dublin to Berlin. Is it? Uh, no, from Waterford to London to Berlin. I started studying in in University College Cork when I left school, and um, I was studying law. And then I'll try and make this super short. Study law, hated it. Began. I was in a little band. Loved it. Wanted to go do music properly. But all my mates just wanted to kind of, I don't know, have something to do on Wednesdays and Mondays when they weren't drinking on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Like, and so we just went to, I just decided I was going to move to London and I moved there and got a job in the restaurant and went to loads of open mics and started to kind of figure out what I'm doing after a while. And yeah, I had been up in London until the beginning of this this year when I I signed to an independent label in Germany and I uh, wanted to try get out there and try make it like try increase my chances of making making things work in Germany really and Berlin's what? fun yeah um what was the band in Cork called oh uh, Paper Planes oh okay check great, us great. out <laughs> might go back to it. Yeah, we'll make a return. We'll make we'll, we'll make a grand return. Or I'll get him like we'll get him up for a special guest. <laughs> um why why did you think about Berlin? Was it just the fact that other Irish bands have, have made it work over there? Other people were saying you should you should go over there and try and make it work over there? Or, uh, or was it just something like you're looking at your Spotify numbers and you're like, Oh, Germany is doing pretty Spotify well. Spotify helped a lot, yeah. Spotify helped. Um but I think it was just the partner that that we that the label that was that was in, interested. Like there was a couple of people, a couple of labels that were interested, but these guys, like labels are sketchy. <laughs> but um, like these guys were really, they seemed really really honest, and they seemed really genuinely into the music and in it for the long run. And like I would rather do that then kind of take a risk on a slightly bigger risk than like signing with a label in the UK because it's quite saturated. Um, and if it doesn't work first time around, then you're, you're kind of up shit creek without a paddle. So I, yeah, it was, that was kind of it really. And I really like, I mean, Berlin is class. <laughs> it's really fun. But yeah, I'm trying to, I, I think if we can get the Germans on board, the world is ours but in a more politically friendly way there's loads of other irish people over there are you hanging out with other irish musicians irish people over in berlin and have you also realized that it's like it's uh tough to get an apartment there apparently at the moment there's a housing crisis of its own going on i don't want to talk about trying to find an apartment in berlin i don't want to talk about it it's just incredibly hard but um yeah, I've like I didn't realize there was gonna be so many Irish people in Berlin. Like, I went over there and went into a lo- my cafe, local cafe around the corner. It's like I expecting to be like trying to speak in German, and this fella talks back to me in the like the heaviest Kerry accent ever. <laughs> How are you going home, boy? And um, yeah, that I knew, I knew, 
that there's going to be a lot more Irish people here than I thought. Uh, but I haven't really connected on the Irish music scene or well, the Irish artist scene in, in Berlin, really. I've got a couple of friends that are that are Irish. I've got a couple of friends that are from all different places, like South America and stuff, from France and stuff. But yeah, no, not many Irish artists. Have you been to Bergein while you've been over there? Have you have you queued for the place? Have you been refused entry into went, the nightclub? I, I, I tried going there once. I tried going there at like six in the morning on like a Saturday morning. And... Um, it was closed. Oh. Yeah. And that was the only time I tried. But I heard it's amazing. I haven't really had the chance to get into the um, Berlin club scene just because I'm on, I'm not in Berlin that often <laughs> because I'm just traveling a lot. Yeah, you certainly seem busy at the moment, like off the release of the new EP. You might talk about that and some of the songs on it. Um, You say yeah. you wrote... You say you wrote it, the songs on it, uh, in your bedroom with your closest friends at a period of time. Right when... here. Hold on. Oh, this is where it was made. This is it. Oh, okay, great. Great. Yeah, man. This is the okay. room. Hold on. This is a that's my my house, my bedroom. Wait, let me clear this up. There we go. This Bed, is where the magic happened. Couch. That. Yeah, and here. This is where all this is where like talk was written. This is where warm was written. This is where rune was written. Um, yeah, all that. Great. Um, you say you say that it was written at a period of time when I was questioning whether music was even something I could keep doing. When when was that, and like how serious were the doubts? Oh wow! I mean, it was like kind of like definitely related to COVID and how everything was. It felt like the world was kind of slowly unraveling, and then you had this like. You had this campaign, the government campaign in the UK. I don't know, like, you guys caught wind of it in Ireland, where it's like, uh, retrain, like a retrain campaign where they were directing it at people in the arts. And um, there was never a worse time to feel like, I don't know, less wanted. So I was like, what am I doing? And then, then one day in the middle of it, like, we wrote Warm in this room and uh, I don't know I just something kind of clicked and I was like this is a really honest just a really simple honest song that isn't trying too hard to be anything this is the kind of musical bed that I can just literally tell all all the honest stories that I've just wanted to tell songs like talk and songs like thank you and stuff so once that once that kind of piece of the puzzle clicked into place everything kind of started to come together like do you have to kind of take those couple of years you know the first initial years that you're an artist and kind of work out what your sound is it sounds like you've settled on it now but you know you're trying a few different things on some of the earlier singles but now you're kind of like okay warm warm is what i want to do going forward um yeah i mean I've always trouble. I always struggled to kind of put myself in a box and struggle with that idea of this is your sound, because it can hamper you and it can you can end up just kind of trying to make a cookie cutter approach to your own music, which is like, like I don't know, t- terrifying for me. I would hate that. Um, but 
I guess I don't know. I think this is this kind of divide that I'm on right now is is something that feels really right, and it feels it's. I'm looking at the 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 next EP and the album, and even further on from the album, I'm like I can see where where I can I can keep the sort of the essence of what I'm talking about is in just the honesty and the raw. Try to be really sincere and you can always just branch out from there in terms of like production and how you and how you arrange the songs and but it has to have that you you should have to keep an essence of who you are in there you know like warm is obviously the the name of the ep as well and it's obviously the track that's kind of done a lot of work for you like did it feel special when you were making it were you like oh this is this is something different to what i've done before yeah man definitely felt kind of special when we were writing it and it's not something that happens very often like because sometimes songwriting can be a bit of a slog but when we were doing this it's like wow yeah this is a, this works and this is a special song i remember we got it all written in the first few hours and recorded over the next hour and a half and we were done by like within five hours and it's like pretty much there and yeah it was special have you had other songs where you've done it that fast and when you're doing it that quickly, are those the ones that you're like, oh, this one's this one's different? No, I mean, like, I don't think you necessarily like the best songs are written the fastest. I think like just sometimes things work out faster than others. And sometimes things take I worked on songs for ages. I think I think thank you between like the first and the last version of it. I think it might be like five versions over like six months or seven months but when you know that there's something special in the song like you just have to kind of work at it to to bring that out of it you know sometimes it falls out of it a bit quicker sometimes it takes more time you know like i think leonard cohen wrote something like 54 verses for thank for hallelujah doesn't mean it like these just because you hear some people say oh we wrote this in five minutes it doesn't mean like it's any more valuable than your song you know you, you haven't written a 54 verse uh song yet or anything no i don't think that's ever gonna happen <laughs> <laughs> uh, especially with the way uh the world is going with like tiktok and all that well i mean you, you mentioned it there do you want to talk about like the effect that that had um on warm because it seemed like that was a big tiktok song um, did it? Was it a really big TikTok song? I no. I didn't. Not really. TikTok is something that I've that I've kind of gone to battle with, like back and forth <laughs> since since I've decided to get on it. Um, it's just a constant. I find I kind of feel that it's just this constant, ever ever hungry algorithm that just swallows up your content and it's never it's never enough <clears throat> and uh, i'm not a, i'm a happier person when i'm not looking at my phone <laughs> uh, but at the same time tiktok has the ability to reach millions of people with one video overnight and i've literally seen firsthand i've, I've seen it change the trajectory of some people's careers which is amazing which is amazing and crazy at the same time you know and it's it's helped me 
but I don't like it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. It's just another platform that you need to service. Yeah. I mean, like when you're when you're writing a song now in 2022, are you thinking like, does it have like a 15 second hook that's going to work on TikTok? Is that something that no. like you think about, no. or do you think other artists are thinking about, or the labels yeah. are thinking about? Yeah, I mean, I think some artists are thinking about it. It's not something I want to think about because at the end of the day, like your career is meant to last. I want my career to last me into my like 70s, you know, and like. Will TikTok be around when I'm 70? Probably not. Um, <laughs> so I think if you're making music to to try trigger algorithms on TikTok, yeah, it might work for now. But I don't see that as a sustainable way to have a successful music career. Why don't you just make really good fucking songs? I mean, what's the biggest song on TikTok at the moment? Like Running Up That Hill by Kate Bush, isn't it? Like... Yeah, I, I was I was looking through it today and I kept getting the Tom O'Dell uh, song. I can't think of what the song is, but I kept getting a oh, Tom O'Dell another, song. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't written. Neither of those songs were written for TikTok. They're yeah. just really songs. I, I listened to the original and I was like, I would not have predicted that this would have uh, one over a billion plays on Spotify and two be every third video that I see on TikTok. Yeah, again, I think that just kind of goes lends itself to the fact that like nobody has a fucking clue <laughs> like i mean what works on tiktok and what doesn't like so if you are trying to make music just for tiktok you're an idiot like, <laughs> but yeah it's, i mean i think the best thing you can do is to make focus on writing the best songs possible because that's who you are and like nobody can deny like like amazing what an amazing like no one no one can deny an amazing song they can deny it for a while but if you back that up with another amazing song and then another amazing song and like yeah it's, it's only gonna go one way um you mentioned earlier kind of writing more directly and more sincerely is that evident on ruin which uh, you say is about learning to open yourself back up to people after going through loss. Seems like a very personal song. Yeah, ruin. Yeah, it's 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 meant to be like a happy song, ruin. But um, yeah, it's very very honest, and it's like again, it's just trying to like. It can be scary when you've lost, when you've kind of gone through something like that in your life, like to want to, to be able to open up yourself to, to people again. But like if you're not living if that's if you're just kinda of living out of fear then then you're not really gonna live the full like live the full experience of life. So you just kinda of have to dive in regardless. And that's what kind of ruin is about, you know. Tell me about like writing like a big sing along chorus to something that's like really deep. I I always think it's like such a hard thing to do. Did you find writing the chorus easy, hard? I think the chorus was the first, the first uh, part of the song that came, but came came from it. It's all like about fucking trying to jump in after having lost somebody. Is fucking is the scariest thing, but like like I said, it's part of life, you know. Rewind has a big chorus, huge uh, like vocal performance. Tell me about like finding your voice. Like, were you singing 
like that big when you were starting out is it something that only comes from like doing it constantly and and like putting in the work um well i feel i mean i began what really really got me interested in singing were like the big soul vocals of like motown and people like otis redding and even like ray charles and like Aretha franklin and then like moving on from that i started to see like oh like soulful acts in the modern day people like do you remember a guy called daniel merriweather it rings but oh yeah yeah from like 2003 or something isn't it nine i think oh, but uh he, um i don't know i just like started i was i loved big vocals and i just like, wanted to try i was really interested in like i don't know i was obsessed with it and then when i moved to london i guess i didn't really have much singing skill but i learned a lot from going to a lot the open mics and seeing like <laughs> all these amazing soulful singers sing and um yeah, I've just been trying to get better. <laughs> uh, it is a process, like, and it's just like, like anything. It's just you, you got to keep working at it. But re- rewind is just rewind's too high, man. I got to bring that. Like, I think when I'm in the studio, I'm not. I don't realize that. Like, I gotta have. I gotta do all these songs back to back, like in a gig scenario. So. That was like a wake up call when I was like, I was like, oh my god, like how the hell am I supposed to do an hour's worth of all this? Like, so high, so loud. <laughs> um, and you've got an Avril Lavigne cover in there as well. I'm with you. Do you want the floor on Avril Lavigne? Is she a big uh, influence? Uh, were you a big fan back in the day? I think everybody was at one point. Like that song is amazing. I mean, I, I mean, that that sort of cover only started out as like. A bit of fun uh, in my bedroom when I was kind of preparing for tour. I wanted to do a cover. I just felt like I better off doing like something that every like I just wanted to do something fun and something that everybody could sing along to. And that's and I I felt like coming out of COVID and stuff that that kind of works. And uh, I never really anticipated actually releasing it. Um, but then. I had a chat with a couple of friends and my manager and I was like, this can't just sit on my laptop. It sounds, sounds really good. So like, let's just, let's just put it out. I feel like she's having a moment as well. Avril Lavigne. It seems like people are kind of reclaiming her. She re-released uh, that album uh, uh, recently, re-recorded it, that first album. Again, songs. It's not about TikTok. It's not about this. If she's got, the songs are amazing, you yeah, know, yeah. and yeah, having up. a moment again, she's having a moment again, 20 years later, like, because the songs, they hold their value, they hold their quality because they're really good songs. So that's, I think, I think with TikTok and everything, like people fight, people can forget that, including myself. So I just need to remember that nothing matters unless you have a really good song. So for you, you've got a train to catch, you've got a flight to catch back to Berlin and you're going to put a video out. What, what about musically? What's, uh, what's next for you? You mentioned another EP and potentially an album. Yeah, well, okay. I've got these amazing like videos coming out, which are like, I mean, I put one out with Talk, which is like a sort of stripped back version of Talk. Got a couple of cool videos coming out. 
Um, going to be putting out another single out hopefully before the end of the year and another EP out mid probably midway next year which I'm like I've, the songs were already kind of there and like I love it so so much honestly I'm so so fucking excited I love this EP and I'm gonna like obviously I really I want to keep playing it I think um, yeah but I'm just always I think so many artists are always, are always excited about the next thing but really looking forward to next year and just pushing pushing further and seeing how far we can get really and then album early the following year or maybe <laughs> the end of next year i don't know um yeah i'm not sure yet <laughs> don't don't put any pressure on yourself yeah exactly i just want to see like i think this ep is, is only the first time back it feels like a re a reintroduction and i feel like i'm only kind of getting to know so many new new people connected with my music so like i'm just seeing how far i was just like letting that grow and not trying to rush it really great uh well listen i appreciate uh you talking to me about sandwiches and taking some time out today before the <laughs> flight nice one <laughs> no thank you so much for having me sorry cool. for the for the shit show of the sandwich <laughs> eating and all that crack cool best of luck with everything man congrats all right thank you yeah i appreciate it man take care thank cool. you bye i've been thinking about skipping this town because i'm someone you don't need around and i know it feels like love right now but eventually i'll just let you down Trouble follows me down every lane Self-sabotage is my middle name I'm a bonafide shit hurricane And I'm terrified that I'll never change When the truth is I'm scared You're all I That's Ruin off Moncrief's latest EP, Warm, which you can get on Spotify, Apple Music, etc, etc, etc. It sounds like the only way is up for him. 2022 has been a great year and it's going to culminate with a sold-out show at the Olympia in Dublin on December 2. So get on the Moncrief train before it's too late. Now, it's new music time. I don't have a name for this segment. Maybe I need to come up with a name for it. Simply, every week, I ask Axe to send me on a voice note explaining their new tunes. There's so much music coming out of Ireland that's just so good. And we try to put a spotlight on them here. We have four new songs this week. As I said at the top, bursting at the seams. We have Denial by Tony Fitz. No Joke by Chris Cabs featuring Jay Yellowell. First Snow by Video Blue featuring Eva Power of Wen Young, 
And finally, Talk to Joe by Ishbini Na Heron. All of the acts offer better introductions to their tunes than I can. So I'll play through all of them now and I'll talk to you again at the end of the podcast. Here's Tony Fitz to start us off. Hey Owen, thanks for having me. Uh, Denial is the opening song of my new EP, Breaking Point. Um, and I, it's a bit of a departure, I think, from things I've done in the past, which were, you know, maybe more guitar driven. The music for all of the songs on this EP started with kind of experimentation on, on modular synths, setting them up to introduce bits of randomness and then kind of reacting to that randomness and letting it lead me places that I wouldn't necessarily have thought to go otherwise. Uh, kind of like the machines were almost collaborators that I could bounce off. And then I went a, a similar route then to to make a video for, for the song. There's a bunch of really cool AI-based generative art tech coming out at the moment that lets you generate images from just a piece of text. And being a total nerd, I started experimenting with one of those to see if I could make it an animated video for the song and, and kind of really enjoyed that process of wrangling a machine in a creative way. The EP will be out on the 23rd of September uh, and the video for Denial will be out on the on the same day. Thanks again so much for having me on and for listening.
Hey, what's going on? I'm Chris Cabs. I'm an artist and music producer. And thank you so much for having me. No Joke, uh, which was actually produced by myself, featuring uh, JLOL. The song basically is about me, you know, expressing my emotions and, you know, my passion towards my music, my craft, my dedication to what I love and and also telling people that in what I do, I do it for real, I do it for life. It's not just for clout, you know what I'm saying? I do it because, you know, because I, I have respect for for my music and, you know, I don't want to follow the the crowd or the trend, you know, I want to affect the trend. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it, it's, it's basically me saying that, you know, whatever I do is real, is authentic. And I want you to know that. <laughs> I want you guys to respect that one way or the other, basically. My EP is pretty much, I would say it's 89% done. Uh, <laughs> I spent about a year and a half to work on this EP. You know, I wanted something personal, uh, something creative, something authentic, you know. Uh, you know, something personal so that when you guys listen to it, you guys gonna feel me you guys gonna feel how i felt when i you know composed you know this this music and uh, yeah most definitely uh it's um you know it was an amazing journey just to you know just to be locked in and create <laughs> and i can't wait to release it i can't wait for you guys to have it and and be blessed with it yeah we have some live shows lined up yeah of course we do um and I can't wait to, to go back on the road and perform and showcase and, you know what I'm saying, and um, interacting with the crowd. You know, that's that's my, that's my number one passion. That's my, that's my source, you know, just to be in front of a crowd and, and feed them up with your energy, <laughs> you know. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate that. Thank you. They do it for the cloud. I do it for life. They outchair about papa. Very nice. Catching fly. She know what I'm about. She wants some more, 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 but I need to hit the road. This ain't no joke. 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 No, no, no. This ain't no joke. This ain't no joke. This ain't no joke. This ain't no joke. What do you mean? Man, I'm tryna fill my play Plug in my girl, a oh good lord, I got taste Endorsements, brandles, I'm getting paid What are we talking about? Yeah, if it ain't about money, 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 money. Success, respect, and glory They know I'm the man, yeah Tryna provide for my fam, yeah Come with you, me and my plan You will end up at the back of a van, yeah My early retirement, uh, it's already funded uh, Gotta make more guap and make sure my host quite loaded by the time I leave, I swear, y'all know my name While you're competing, I'm just building in my lane I do it for life The hot chair, pop, pop, pop Every night Catching fly She know what I'm about She wants some more, 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 but I need to hit the road This ain't no joke 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 No, 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 this ain't no joke This ain't no joke 
Lives of mine, just rubber band, rubber band, mm, dreadlock, that a man. You know my touch, my desk, jugger band, got a man here, red hot, bada gang. Who's better than? See my G's got links in the caravans. When it's cold outside like Hamatan, he'll slide anytime but Ramadan. See Broski saying Alhamdulillah. When the beef comes, he told me I'll handle it all. Yeah, I hit the bank and withdraw. Can't do it all, but I can do a lot. Can't get the bands and abandon my dogs. Hear all the fans giving rounds of applause. Don't need a candle, I stand in the dark. Why? Star power can light up a yard. Hmm, that's why they admire him. I could pull one string and the team getting violent. Product of environment. Then it must be a sight they were mining for diamonds. They wanna know why I'm here. I don't follow up pioneer. Feel it Coming from both sides, that's polar pressure, apply it back. I do it for life. Yeah, I'll pa pa pa. Very nice. Catch and fly. She know what I'm about. She wants some more, 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 but I need to hit the road. This ain't no joke. 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 No, no, no. This ain't no joke. This ain't no Hello, my name is Jim. I make music as Video Blue. I'm from Dundalk, but have been based in Hackney in London for the past decade or so. I've been putting together a new body of work over the past 18 months, and I'm finally starting to release music from it. I put out a single called Weatherspeak last month, and then that was followed up by a remix of the same track by um, Dublin Act, Sounds of System Breakdown. But my new single is called First Snow, and it came out on the 16th of September, and it features the amazing uh, voice of Aoife Power from the Limerick slash London group Wen Young. When I wrote the song, or when it started coming together, I had this idea of a conversation. As the words started finding their way in, I wanted to have another voice on board and pretty much the only voice I thought of was Aoife's and um, she was really into it when I approached her and did an amazing job. This was recorded still during uh, lockdown, probably lockdown number three or four, I can't even remember at this stage. They recorded it from their home studio space in Ramsgate and me here in in London and uh, and it was really fun to put together and sit with and add to and take from and so on. Uh, thematically it's about keeping your head coming together with a loved one and sort of weathering the challenges that life throws up. So it's kind of born out of conflict but hopefully it comes out sounding quite tender. It's one of those us-against-the-world type things, I suppose, really. I've got two concerts, uh, two gigs, I should say. I'm so out of practice. (laughs) Two gigs coming up that have been announced at the moment. Uh, The first one being in the Spirit Store, my hometown of Dundalk, on the 18th of October. And that's supporting my best mate, Trick Mist, on his album tour. And then the next gig is the sort of my big London one, which is in the Servant Jazz Quarters in Dalston on the 25th of October. And that's tickets are on sale. You can get them on Dice or buy them through the Servant Jazz Quarters website. That's going to be a great night because also on the bill 
is Mel Joan, uh, who's a Brighton-based Cork art pop extraordinaire. And then also the really, really talented Noah York is going to be on the bill too, who's an amazing songwriter. So, yeah, lots to look forward to. I'll be slipping out lots lots of new music in between now and then after First Snow, just in the general run-up to what is the as-yet-unannounced, but there will be a new album. So, um, yeah, very excited about it, and uh, look after yourselves.
Hey Owen, Tomas Mulligan here from Ishbini Nahern, the hardest working band in all of the world, would you believe? And thanks very much for uh, playing Talk to Joe. Uh, we're absolutely honoured with the feedback that we've got of so many people and the interest that people have taken in our track. And it's, it's very humbling to hear such nice things said about a song that we wrote. Uh, where it comes from is I worked briefly in Liveline and I loved every minute of it. Joe was real sound to work under and the whole crew there were a delight to learn from. But the best aspect of that job by far was talking to the people of Ireland. You get to learn very quick that everyone in this country has an angle and there's just so many wild things that you hear working on that show. And after my time there, we wanted to write a song about it uh, because it's a, it's an institution in Ireland, really. And we were thinking about all of the silly things that we could come up with to write about. And Adam, the banjo player in Ishbini Nahern, just said to me, man, you've got enough material to work with, with what you witnessed in there. So we realised that there's enough silly things being said and the song just kind of writes itself. Now, I must say that the stories have been sufficiently altered to protect the extremely guilty. So our band, Ishbini Nahern, the Sausages of Ireland, uh, we formed in early 2018 and we would have a lot of traditional Irish music influences. Uh, we would have played primarily starting out in pubs like the Cobblestone or the Four Provinces. And the music that we play is probably as far removed from tradition as you can get. Like we have a load of traditional songs that we've reimagined and we also have our own originals like Talk to Joe. And uh, we're delighted to announce that this album that we have been working on all through the pandemic is finally ready for release and it will be out on the 28th of October and it's titled The Hardworking Men. So I hope you enjoyed the song and we're delighted that you've been touched by Ishbini Nahern. country, it's all gone to the dogs Me landlord's poisoning me water and it's killing all me frogs They're putting up the price of the motor tax, the sea level and the drink I called me plumber six weeks ago And he still hasn't fixed me sink Come on and talk to Joe 
Joey tells you Joe it's an absolute disgrace And they've stopped accepting Sterling down in the Dundalk mess And I haven't slept a wink, show me head's a bloody mess I'm getting married in the morning and the dog just hit the dress So I think I'm gonna call up Lifeline And I'll give the nation stink And I tell you it's a bloody disgrace, Joe Did I mention they caught up the drink? And we'll talk to
not in service at this time. That's Talk to Joe by Yashbini Nahar and thanks to all of those artists, Tony Fitz, Chris Capps, Video Blue and Ishbini Naharan for letting me play their tunes and for sending on those voice notes as well as to Roe and Moncrief for the chats earlier on in the show. Make sure to go and support the artists by their music, their merch, go to their shows. It all helps. And if you like this show, please rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Maybe do it on all of those platforms. I'm sure it might help. Maybe tell a friend, pass on the podcast, share it on Instagram, Twitter. Anyway, anyway, we'll be back next Wednesday morning. Your homework for that one, if you want it. I suggest listening to Circa Richardson's second album, Smiling Like an Idiot. It's out this Friday. You'll thank me come next week's episode. It's a good one. We'll talk to you then. (laughs) 